Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Advent. As a kid, I always just loved watching another candle be lit. It was that much closer to Christmas. And maybe you're feeling that way, or maybe you're feeling like, no, no, I've got so much to do. Please slow down. I hope there's a part of us that is saying, let's take time to have Advent as well. Nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas starting October 32nd, but we, uh, we have Advent to celebrate as well, to take our time. And so we're doing that as we tell the story of Adventus, the coming of a royal one, and we prepare our way for the arrival. We tell the story of old as we also tell the story to come. We are telling both of these through the lens of John the Herald, or you might know him as the baptizer. Our passage today is a scene where John receives his name. You may not have thought much about the name John. It's pretty common. But there's a lot that happens in this scene. And I want you to remember that last week, Zechariah, John's father, is praying in the temple. He's burning incense, asking for favor and remembrance to be upon his people from God And then he receives word from Gabriel, the messenger, that God indeed is bringing favor. And he and his wife Elizabeth, in their advanced season of life, doesn't use the O word, is going to have a son, and they're going to name him John. What we didn't read last week was that Zechariah had a little trouble hearing this message, didn't he? He kind of stumbled over that. Wait a second. God, you know how things work. How am I going to know that this is actually going to come to pass? How can I be sure of this? And in response, Gabriel made Zechariah silent for 10 months until John was born. Maybe a gift to Elizabeth as much as it was an opportunity for Zechariah. If you tell a priest or a pastor they can't talk for 10 months, I might as well tell you to stop breathing, right? That's what we do. We always have something to say. But 10 months... I don't think it was a punishment. I think it was an opportunity. How can I know this is going to happen? How can I be sure? Well, why don't you just stop for 10 months, look and listen, spend some time in silence. So we come to the birth of John in our passage, receiving his name. Zechariah gets to speak again. There's a question asked by the people who witness all this happen. There's a question upon Zechariah's faithful response of naming him indeed John rather than something else. There's a question that then he answers in a prophecy that sounds a lot like Mary's Magnificat. So the context of all of this outside of the people in this individual, very important, meaningful story is a larger story that the people were waiting God's favor to be upon them once more as it had been. They were waiting for a descendant of David to come and be a mighty king that might free them from oppression once more so they could be God's people as their own great nation without fear. For centuries, for 500-some years, they've been waiting. They returned from exile almost 600 years prior. They had rebuilt the temple But they hadn't experienced that coming of God's presence in that temple as they had in the first temple before it was destroyed. They've been waiting for the voice of the prophets that have been silent for some time. 
They'd waited for the sins of Israel to truly be forgiven that would lead them finally, fully out of exile. They've been waiting. They've been wondering. They've been hoping for God's peace on earth. We'll hear Luke 1, 57 through 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his child David, and as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from now on high will break upon us to shine upon those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. The word of God in scripture, the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in the room when Elizabeth is trying to find out what we should name the son and Zechariah can't speak, right? And he's trying to somehow communicate to John. Imagine her, John, that's not... That's not anybody in our family. What was that conversation like? Zachariah's like, can you help me out? Just let me talk for a minute. Uh, it can be uh, confusing when things aren't happening the way you expect, especially when you can't use all your faculties. Naming a child is a big deal. It's a huge deal in the first century, especially if it's the firstborn, especially if that firstborn's a son, especially if that child's being born to a couple that are well advanced in their years. He would be the legacy of his father, Zechariah, a legacy of that family and that name. 
It would be customary to name the son a family name, but that's not the plan. While the son was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, it is clear that John belongs to God. And that's why the mention of he shall not have strong drink and some special things about who he will be, it, it ties to many characters in our Old Testament scripture who had that same kind of designation, that same kind of different life. So what is this name going to be? John. Yohanan. That's how you'd say it in Greek. Do you know what it means? God is gracious. God is gracious. All names are really a statement of some sort. Isaac means laughter, right? David is God's beloved. Abraham is father of many. John is God's, God is gracious. The meaning of his name is not random, of course. The banner under which this baby boy will grow up to become the prophet of the Most High, to herald the presence of God finally returning to the people, the breaking of silence. It's not going to be under the banner of judgment or anger or fear or condemnation or look how great and right we are. It's certainly not revenge. It's grace. Grace. God's grace. God's favor. Finally being given. Finally, through John, to prepare the way, an Adventus for God's presence coming again, but not in the temple, but in the person of Jesus, and eventually in the person of the Spirit, which we share so this miracle happens at John's birth. Suddenly, Zechariah, Ze wanted to say Zacchaeus, he can speak, and the question is asked, what then will this child become? Great things don't just happen. They happen for a reason, and they say, for indeed the hand of the Lord was with him, the hand of God. We've heard that term. It refers to the might, the might of God, the strength of God. And this answer to what kind of child this will become is answered in the prophecy, which is a bursting forth of joy, right? Everything, he has his proof. It's happening. John, now he can talk. That means everything else is going to be true as well. God has looked favorably upon Israel and redeemed them already. Notice he says God's already done this, looking at the baby boy in front of him. God has raised up a mighty Savior for us of David's line. What the prophet spoke of before, the deliverance from oppression that we've dreamt of, that we've longed for, the promise made to Abraham long ago, it's being fulfilled. It's already happened, according to Zechariah. What faith. And then he talks to his son, you, child, will be the prophet of the Most High to prepare the way for the Lord to give people knowledge of salvation by forgiveness of sins because of God's tender mercy. Dawn is breaking upon us, he says, to shine on those in darkness, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Man, there's a lot to unpack in this prophecy. I don't know that my words over any of my children were quite so deep and elegant. There was a whoa, I had that to say. To sum it up simply, all Zechariah said, God has done what God promised to do. And we will all be brought back into right relationship with God and each other. That was the dream. There was more to the dream for some. But John, God is gracious, will begin this work by calling people back to God to complete what has already begun. Evil and darkness and oppression are being defeated. How does Zechariah know this? You ever wonder? Because he sat in silence for 10 months. You might have all sorts of things to think about 
Have you sat in silence lately? Some of you I know have. You like the silence. Some of us can be really uncomfortable with the silence. The things we start to think about and wonder about suddenly become very loud. It's amazing what you will see when you embrace silence. What Zechariah notices is that people had been waiting for this thing that Malachi had announced, this thing that now Zechariah announces. God has raised up a mighty Savior for us. God's hand is at work. So many people are going to expect Jesus to be a mighty Savior, a strong Messiah, a powerful king, a victorious warrior, which is why they're really going to struggle when he's not. He is going to lead the charge against Rome, but not the way they think. He is going to have the might of God coming through him, but not through a sword, through grace. That all starts with God is gracious. Do you know what Jesus' name means? The Lord saves. Saved by the Lord's grace, we might say. People expected rescue from the enemies like Malachi. Remember Malachi's prophecy last week? Walking over the burnt ashes of all the enemies that had now fallen finally on the great and terrible day of the Lord? That's not, that's not what we find here. The tender mercy of God. People will receive the knowledge of salvation through forgiveness. And all people will be returned to God and each other. There will be a rescue. There will be a salvation, but not from Rome in the way they might expect. Jesus won't raise a sword. Jesus will be raised up on a Roman cross. I don't know that that's what Zechariah expected. I don't know if the events over the few years that John spent in his ministry were anything Zechariah envisioned. Through Jesus, God will deal with the only true weapon an oppressive force has, which is death. Jesus will deal with the only true enemy of us all, which is sin. Oppression, sadness, disease, poverty, hatred, fear, and every ounce of evil will be no more. Amen? Hallelujah? Can you do it now? Right? We're ready. Are you prepared, though? Sometimes we look for victory through a sword. We still do, if we're honest. It's easier. It's immediate. We still look for people whom we deem evil to just perish and, and maybe you even wish they go off and suffer for an eternity. We still look for God's might, God's hand to be shown sometimes through violence. We don't seek God's graciousness. I'll speak for myself. I don't always seek God's graciousness because it's a lot more satisfying to have justice. Amen? But John... John is the herald, God's grace. Many today will proclaim might, and many people are so easily taken up by it. But the hand of God upon John reveals God's tender grace and forgiveness, redemption and rescue, life and light. And ultimately, the work of John leads to peace, right relationship between all of us and God. These two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor, they're, they're separate, but they're not separate. They're inseparable. Loving your neighbor is loving God. So let me ask again, are we prepared for the coming, for the fullness of God's grace? Are we really ready? We want to be guided into the way of peace. Grace is a word we like to use. 
but we can find it difficult to define, can't we? Our Advent study talks about grace being an act done by a giver out of the giver's goodness, having nothing to do with the goodness of the receiver. The grace is all about the giver. So some will offer their definition comparing grace to justice and mercy. You may have heard justice is when you get what you deserve, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve, and grace is when you get what you don't deserve. You could follow all that. I'll say it again. Justice is when you get what you deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. The preparation for Jesus' arrival, we must lift up the name John. God is gracious, the banner of it all. Not God the just, not God the merciful, but God the gracious. And mercy's wrapped up in there. Justice is too. We do well not to respond to this right away but to sit silently, read Scripture, remember the stories of our ancestors in faith, receive the Spirit through the story of Advent coming in Jesus Christ, who came not to condemn the world but to save it, to heal it. Are we prepared for the end of the story we tell? Are we prepared for the fullness of grace and healing which will come to all people? Do you have peace? We lit the peace candle. Right relationship. Does your life reflect that God is gracious? Does your faith shine the light of God's tender mercy? Does our legacy as a church draw people in? Or have we been telling a story of a different kind because it's so, so tempting? We pine for a different ending. I do. Justice for others and grace for me, right? When we crave vengeance and destruction for human beings, no matter who they are, no matter how they worship, no matter where they live, when we fixate on the downfall of others, the failure of our enemies, it just brings us down. When we dwell in the realm of inhumane desires, it just strips away our humanity. We don't have peace. God's peace changes how we see everything and everyone. We'd benefit greatly to remember that God chose to bring peace by the redemption of all creation through human beings, babies. I love babies. Like Zechariah, it'd do us good to sit silently and ponder what it means that God is breaking the silence, broke it then and will break it now, that prophecy has come finally through this baby boy named John. Maybe like Elizabeth, it'd do us good to imagine the preparation of the world for the coming of the Lord to be completed by the spirit and power within us that's already there. As the prophet Malachi said, as the messenger Gabriel announced to Zechariah, John will turn people back to God. Parent to child, child to parent, siblings to one another. All siblings to one another. I'd have to say that twice for my girls. Disobedient to those who work for justice and peace. We are invited into this turning back back to those from whom we've been separated. We've been separated from a lot of people, haven't we? It's our culture, us and them. We'll be turned back to those who look different, who speak different, who think different, who worship different, those who have always been our family and neighbors, whether we knew it or not. This Christmas season, you may be trying to prepare yourself to sit around a table with people that don't all agree with you about things and it takes some preparation. Amen? 
What an opportunity we have to shine the light of God's grace, to embrace the message of let's turn back to one another. This Christmas season is the right time to embrace peace, if no other time. And we are the people to do it, what other people would, to show people the the might of God in grace and peace. Are you prepared? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? I like there's some honest answers. It's kind of a shaking of the head. Jesus is coming. Our waiting will one day end. Amen? So let's prepare the way for grace and peace. Let it start with us, both in our hearts, and then let it extend outward into the world around us, this Adventus, this season. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.